This is the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Ashley. Together, we have been making money online collectively for over 10 years. Our mission is to help you start, learn, and grow a reselling business and to inspire you to turn your paycheck into a daycheck. The world is changing and we want to help you change with it. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Paycheck to Daycheck Reselling Podcast. Today's episode is going to be all about sourcing criteria, also known as buying criteria. And when you first start reselling, it's really important not just to create a budget, but also to have some idea of the items that you are willing to purchase because you don't want to just go out, start buying anything and everything and not really looking at the data, whether that item sells whether it will be profitable, how much it will cost to ship and all those kind of things that go with it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people think that this applies more to people that are sourcing uh, items via like retail or online arbitrage if they're selling newer items. And it definitely does apply there, but it also applies for people who are thrifting as well. I know when I first started, if I did not have a sourcing criteria in place when I first started, I know that like a lot of people just want to make a profit, they just want to make money. I didn't take into account a really important factor, which was the value of my time. Um, so if I could buy something for, you know, $10 and flip it for $15, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm making money, but really not really, you know, when it comes down to all the things that I had to do to get that item to sell. So we're going to be using an item as an example throughout this episode. And if you know the pain, <laughs> you of know. If you know, you know. <laughs> it is the Coco Melon JJ bedtime doll, and it was a really hot toy a couple years back. Um, there, the Coco Melon movie had just, I think, come out on Netflix or something like that. It was like in the number one spot for oh my god, almost a year, and every kid in this country was like losing their mind over this cocomelon doll. They had to have it. In this group that we were in, it was a hot lead. And I scoured the entire state of New York trying to find this doll to flip as many times as I could. Um, and back then it was, it was a good thing to purchase and to flip. Um, you could buy it. I believe at that point you could buy it for $19.99. Um, and now you can buy it at Target. I was doing some research last night. The lowest price right now at Target is $17.99 plus tax. The sell-through rate was wild. I mean, as fast as you could list them, they were selling. Now, the research that I did last night on eBay anyways, there are 547 of this style listed in brand new condition and 45 of them have sold in the last 90 days. And that information is going to be very important the deeper we get into this episode. So just keep that in mind. All right. So let's kind of go back and talk about what is sourcing criteria. And like I said before, it's also known as buying criteria. You need to know whether you want to purchase that item. And sourcing criteria is going to look completely different for every single person. And I know you mentioned when you started thrifting, you did not have one. That was kind of the same with us. Because Casey was working, reselling was not our number one way to make money. We were willing to buy anything and everything. And I would also go to Dollar Day at Goodwill, spend a dollar, buy an item. Even if it sold for $15 and I made a profit, I was happy with that. To me, that was okay. But really, as we became full-time resellers, 
our criteria completely changed with how we source. And we really value our time. And also, we don't want to be just making a dollar or two. I don't want to have to worry about 100 items to profit $1. I would rather have 10 items that profit $10 to get Mm -hmm. to that profit. So I feel like our criteria has definitely changed. And as you start reselling, you're going to find those items that do make you money and items that don't. And you kind of have to really judge what works for you based on your situation. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, it's just a set of rules that you create for yourself to make it easier to know when to buy an item or when to pass on that item. Um, I know for myself anyways, I get really um, caught up in the moment when I'm sourcing, especially retail arbitrage items. And I get really excited when I find something, maybe if it's been on my list for you know a month or so, I've been on the lookout for it. Um, and I finally find it and like, oh my God, I, there's two here, I'm going to grab them. But instead I should go and recheck all of the criteria to make sure that item still fits into my sourcing criteria because things change very quickly as we know with how much these items sell for, how many are listed, the sell-through rate, etc. So we're going to get into some of that right now. So what the sourcing criteria is important to know what item you should buy, what item you should pass on, but it also I feel like can depend on the platform you're selling on. Let's say you are selling on eBay where eBay doesn't have a lot of data other than looking at how many items are listed, how many items have sold, and seeing if that item is something to pick up. So if you are going back to the Coco Melon doll, if you bought it a couple years ago, even at $19.99, because the sell-through rate, you could see, okay, there were, let's say, 100 listed and 400 sold. That shows you that there is such a high demand for that item that that's probably a good one to pick up. And then you also have to look at how much was it selling for. If you buy it for 20 and it's only selling for let's say $30, and you have to factor in shipping and eBay fees, that item might not be a good one to pick up. Where with Amazon, it's a different ballgame. Amazon has all the data. You can look at the Keepa chart. You can look at sales rank to see how fast things are selling. And with Amazon, you can actually go in and use the revenue calculator to see what your profit's going to be for if you fulfill it yourself. FBM or if you fulfill it by Amazon by shipping it in. So you really have a better idea of the exact profit you'll profit on that item with Amazon versus eBay or some of the other platforms like Macari and Poshmark. Yeah, exactly. On Poshmark, there's even less data. So you really have to dig in if there's an item that you're questioning. Um, You can kind of get an idea based on the sold comps. If you're looking up, you know, there was this really popular Zara dress um, over the last, I think it was like within the last year. There's the notorious, you know, Nordstrom rack sale. I think they do that twice a year. Uh, Everyone goes crazy for and there are really good deals. But the first you know, couple of years when I was reseller, I'm like, oh my God, I got to go to Nordstrom Rack. I got to do my sourcing there. I was so like worried about getting there and finding good items. And what I found was those items might've been a great deal. They might've been really good brands and obviously brand new with tags, but 
everyone else and their brothers went to their Nordstrom rack and they picked up the same items because they carry, you know, virtually the same items across all their stores. And then those items became very saturated on Poshmark and Macari and on eBay. Just because something is a good deal doesn't mean that you should pick it up. And you need to take a look on that platform that you're selling on, like Liz said, to make sure that it's not oversaturated as well. We're going to talk about our own like personal purchase criteria or servicing criteria. For me, my criteria is as follows. So if I buy something, I want to make at least four times my initial investment. So if I buy something for 10, it needs to sell at a minimum for $40. So that's, you know not including like the fees or the shipping. I just needed to sell for at least $40. I also want to see that it has sold, let's say on eBay, 15, 16, 17 times in the last um, 30 days. So that way I know it's selling at least once every other day. Now, like we said before, if there's a hundred of this item listed and there's only, you know, three or four sold, that's going to be something that I pass on. However, if there's, you know, 50 of them listed and there's a hundred of them sold, that's, you know, flipping, flipping the coin a little bit. So I'm, I, I would probably purchase that item. I also want to make a minimum profit of $30 per item. So if I can't profit, you know, $30 on that item, it's just at this point, anyways, for me, it's just not worth my time with the, you know, sourcing, driving to get the item, bringing it home, photographing it, cleaning it up if I have to, listing it, uh, answering questions on the platform it's listed on, packing it, shipping it, driving it to the post office, all of the things, you know, like you have to take into account your time as a reseller. That's, it's very valuable. And if you spend your time doing all of these little things to make a very minimal profit, it's going to be like you're running in place and you're not going to be able to build your business as quickly and as efficiently as if you made your uh, minimums a little bit higher. Yeah. With us, for our reselling business, like I said before, we used to be okay with literally if we bought something for five and we profited $10, that was fine with us. But now looking at it, we have definitely raised our average sales cost. So to us, that's really important on eBay. We're buying thrifted items. We're going to Goodwill, garage sales. Our average buy cost for items is usually between five and $7. Now we want to definitely make the sale for above $35. And from there, you know, we factor in shipping and, and fees and all that. And our profits have gone way up and we're listing less. And to us, that's good because then we are saving on time. We're not listing as many items, not photographing, shipping as many out, and our profits are higher. So to us, time is very valuable. Now, if you look at our Amazon, we're okay with having less profit. We do private label products. We're buying in bulk and we're selling a lot of units per day. So instead of looking at like a $15 profit per item, we're looking at sometimes between $3 to $5.00. But because we're selling so many units and Amazon is a different beast when it comes to reselling, we don't have to ship the items ourselves on there. We're shipping everything directly into Amazon, the FBA, they're fulfilling all the items for us. So we're okay with taking less of a profit because we're selling so many units and we're getting them fulfilled by Amazon to where 
we're not having to spend the time to ship them. Right. They've taken a bulk of the time that you would have spent on that item and they've taken that away for you. And yes, you pay that, you know, in fees on Amazon, but you can profit a little bit less because you don't have to spend your time doing that, that legwork and that post work, I guess. All right. So next we're going to dive into why sold comps matter. So let's go back to that cocomelon example again. Uh, back in the day when it was a really hot item, like I said, you could buy it at Walmart or Target for right around $19.99, $20, and you could sell it for 100 bucks pretty easily. So that's a good sold comp right there. And it had a really good sell-through rate. You weren't going to be able to hang on to it for very long. And everyone was just trying to get as many of them as they could. Now you're buying it for less, $17.99. It's a couple dollars less. But the average sold comps on this item on eBay are now $20. So unless you're getting them from um, you know, a discount store or something like that, for less than $17.99, you're not really going to be able to profit anything on this item. So that's just a really good example of making sure that if you thought something was a great deal at one point and you've been looking for it, like I said before, making sure that you check those those purchase criteria points again, just to, just to be safe. Before we started recording, Liz actually said that she has seen those Cocomelon dolls at Ross stores lately. And I don't have Ross around here. We have like TJ Maxx and Marshalls, but that's just like a really good indicator, you know, that there was, they were overproduced at one point and they're not as hot anymore. Yeah. So just keep your eyes out for that stuff. Yeah. With the sold comps, you have to realize too, social media is very powerful. There's also leads groups, lead lists, So a lot of times when you find an item and you get so excited, especially like those new items such as the Coco Melon doll, don't just keep buying it. Always go back and check comps. And I don't think it necessarily applies to only like new in-box items, Mm -hmm. but also thrifted items. When we started thrifting, I would pick up uh, Wrangler, Pearl Snap, Western shirts, and I didn't care how much I paid for them. I would just pick them up. I wouldn't even look up the style, the size, nothing. Now there's so many of them listed. It's impossible to sell through unless you have a very, very low price. Yep. Same thing with like the Harley Davidson shirts. Like a couple years ago, you could pretty much buy any Harley Davidson shirt at the thrift store and know that you're going to be able to sell it for like $30 to $50 pretty easily um, if it was like a really cool graphic. And now it's just like the trend is kind of winding down a little bit and there's a lot of them listed. So it might have been one of those things at one point, like we said, that was a really popular thing. trends change, popularity changes, and especially now more than ever with social media, things just happen very, very fast. So even if you're 99.9% sure, you're just going to want to type it in. That's the other thing. Let's talk about that really quick. When you're checking sold comps on eBay, there's the ability to scan barcodes. So if you have a new item and you can scan the UPC barcode with the scanner on the eBay app, actually typing the item in is a lot um, more 
accurate, I guess I would say, than scanning the barcode. The only way you're going to get sold comps or data based on a barcode scan is if the person that listed the item also put in the numbers on that UPC barcode. And a lot of people just don't take the time to do that. So you just want to type it in really quick. Take the three seconds that it takes. Don't be lazy. How you do anything is how you do everything. Just type it in and make sure that you're getting accurate data. Yeah, I think that is really important. I know when you're going out and sourcing, it's very easy just to grab stuff and go because you want to go in quick and you want to find items and you want to be done. But really, if we can give you any advice today would be to always check items. Don't just go off of knowledge. Or even if you're looking on social media and somebody says, oh, here's a Bolo brand, look for it. So like one of the hot brands is Lululemon. Don't just buy it because you see it. And because somebody else told you that this was an item you should be looking out for. Still always know like your business model, what your sourcing criteria is, what you're willing to buy, what you're willing to profit, because what it means to somebody else could be something completely different. So it is so important to still look up items, even though you feel confident, don't always be confident. Yep, exactly. And the criteria that you set for yourself, the rules that you set for yourself are going to be based on so many different factors that we can't possibly define or know what those are for you. So that's going to be, you know, your bills. What are you full-time? Are you part-time? Do you have another source of income? Do you have a partner that also has a source of income for your household? Do you have the storage space? Are you able to store this stuff? Do you have a storage unit? Um, How big is your house? You know, like there's just so many factors. Like, uh, do you have the time to be doing this? Like, photographing a hundred items or do you have time to photograph 20 items a week? You know, like it just, there's so many different factors that go into your business that people just need to take a hard look at their business to see what those factors are and then develop the purchase criteria based on those factors. Yeah. And I think on the opposite side of that, if you aren't doing that, then you're tying up your capital and you might keep buying items that are not profiting or Mm -hmm. items that are just sitting there. So that's another thing. So purchase sourcing criteria is really important because you you don't want to be in the business to store items. You want to be in the business to sell items. So by setting those criterias, you're making sure that you're moving items with us. We were willing to buy anything because we had the storage space. And now it's like, well, just because we have the storage space doesn't mean that we want to sit on items. Now we're really looking at them like they have to move within three months. If they're not going to sell within three months, we don't want to buy those items. We don't want to hold on to them. We're not in that in that business. And that is exactly why sell-through rate matters. So whatever sell-through rate you set for yourself, maybe you are okay with holding on to an item for a year. And based on the sell-through rate, that is how you're going to determine how long typically you'll be hanging on to an item. There are other factors that go into that as well. If you have the item super like highly priced, like above and beyond the average sold comps, like, yeah, you're going to be hanging on to it for a while. Yeah. And with the sell-through rate and how you price your items is important. We were always pricing our items like five, well, actually more than that, probably $10 more than what the, the highest sold comp was thinking that once those items sold out, ours would be the one left and that would be the one that people would buy. But now we're really pricing our items competitively to make sure that we have the sell-through rate that we want. We want to get those items out of here in three months or less would be great. You can tell by looking at your items that have sold 
we use a custom SKU for eBay where we put the date of when the item was listed. And also you can sort in your eBay seller account by when the item was listed. So you can get an idea of how long something's been sitting there. But it's good to look like when you have sales, how fast am I moving items? Has that item been sitting there for a year? Because if it has, that's probably not a good item to rebuy. Exactly. Okay, so now we're going to talk about profit and why that matters. You would think that this is like a really easy answer, but a lot of people get twisted and they get their heads wrapped around this in a way that they just really make it difficult to understand. Basically, you need to know how much, like we mentioned before, how much you want to profit on each item at a minimum. So I have a different set of sourcing criteria for new items that I'm sourcing via retail arbitrage or online arbitrage. They have a separate set of criteria for thrifted items. So maybe I don't need to four times my money on something that I pick up that's thrifted. So that means if I you know, buy it for a dollar, I'm going to flip it for four. Like That's not realistic. If I buy it for a dollar, I still want to make a minimum profit of $20 or $25, depends on how much inventory I have at that time on that item. But it's a little bit less than, you know, my retail items at $30, like I said before. I think also when you're doing like thrifted items, you're usually buying a one-off item. Mm -hmm. You're not going to buy it in bulk. Where like some of the retail and online arbitrage items that you find, you can find multiple items which are going to be faster to list. Mm -hmm. So maybe those items you're willing to take a little less of a profit because you know it's not going to take as much time to list them. Versus if you bought like 10 items at a thrift store, you have to photograph each one of those items. So that can also factor into your profit as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, like like you were saying with newer items, all the details are right on the product page of that item online. So you can kind of just copy and paste for the description. It's, it's a lot easier and a lot less time consuming. And there's a lot less research involved for new items than there are for thrifted items, if, especially if you're doing like like hard goods or some, you might not know exactly what the item is or what it does. So there's a lot more research that goes into thrifted items, I think. Yeah. And with everything we've mentioned today with the sourcing, buying criteria, one thing to definitely invest in would be some sort of software. Whether you're going to pay for QuickBooks or My Reseller Genie, which is what Casey and I use, or with eBay, there's Easy Auctions Tracker or even just make your own spreadsheet. It's so important to be looking every single month at each item you're selling and the profit that you're actually making. And you would be amazed sometimes the items that you think that you bought to profit really didn't. And that's okay. You're going to have items that you profit a lot on. You're going to have items that you lose money on. But really with reselling is to look at those items, figure out why did that one profit so much? Why did this one lose so much? And really looking at that data and that is only going to help you make better buying decisions in the end. Yep, absolutely. And that being said, we actually have a free inventory tracker that you can download on our Gumroad. We'll link to that um, below in the show notes or underneath our YouTube video if you guys want to check that out. On the inventory tracker, there's um, a spot for the purchase date, you know, when you purchased it, when the item sold, so you can see how long you had the item for. There's also a spot for the amount that you purchased. And I believe there's also a spot for how much it sold for, and it should calculate your profit for you, um, not including fees, because of course, we don't 
don't know what platform you're selling it on and what those fees are on those platforms, you'll you know have to take that out yourself. But it is a good tool to start tracking your inventory and getting an idea of you know how you can set up your sourcing criteria for the future based on the data that that uh, tracker gives you. All right, guys, that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Paycheck to Paycheck Reselling Podcast. Anything we mentioned in this episode will be linked down below in the show notes or description down below. Be sure to share this episode with anyone you think it will help and follow us on social media at P2D Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Keep working towards that day check.